Greetings to you, my brothers and sisters. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our Father in heaven, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, we live in difficult times, exceedingly difficult, in fact, that same present evil age that I just mentioned. Sometimes it can feel as if we're literally walking from one calamity to the next without any sort of abatement. And I'm not just talking about the major issues here like COVID and uh, the wars in Ukraine and horrific unemployment and uh, floods in Durban. I'm talking even within the context of our own personal lives. Times are tough. I can't recall a time previously where so many of the people I've spoken to are going through so much. Each and every person I speak to is going through some period of stress, some trial. And even within my own personal life and within the life of my family, we've gone through so much over the last couple of years and certainly more so than probably all the years before that combined. So with that said, oh, whoops, <laughs> sorry, let me take that back. So. I want to share a bit from that context or give you a paint a bit of a picture for you of what that has been like because I want to give you an idea of where this message has been birthed from, where, uh, in what environment God has, give, has ministered this message to me that I want to share with you. So in the context of my family's life, some of the things that we've been going through over the past couple of years is just a whole array of sicknesses, one after the next, after the next, after the next. and. For anyone who knows what sicknesses are like, it's an extremely debilitating time. It's difficult to forge ahead on things. It's difficult to achieve your goals. It's difficult to, be, to give 100% to your work or to your family or to anything when you're sick all the time. And you know, I'm not just talking about normal sicknesses here like colds and flu. We're talking about the likes of, and COVID included, but we're talking about illnesses where you go to the doctor and the doctor can't even correctly diagnose you the first time and it takes a couple of attempts or a couple of trips to the doctor to be able to find out what's going on. And you know, it's just the doctors are puzzled by what the thing is. And you know, I thank the Lord that he has preserved us during this time and preserved our lives during this time, but it hasn't made it any easier. So that period of sickness has really weighed us down and it's something that we've prayed to God to remove from us, but he hasn't removed it yet. And even as I preach this, I'm still in the midst of bronchitis as I preach it. So we're still in the midst of that. And I say God has not taken us out of it yet. And then even to add on to that, anyone who knows me knows that I'm a person who is absolutely in love with uh, sports and exercise and those types of things. I love physical exercise. I love building muscle. I love uh, setting goals for myself, fitness related goals and achieving them. And over the past couple of years, I've just had one injury after the next, after the next, after the next. And again, strange, peculiar injuries, injuries that you have to go to the doctor and the doctor again can't correctly tell you what is going on. And it's just so frustrating to go for scans and things like that. And basically at the end of the day, you don't really have a conclusive answer of what is wrong. And so for anyone who knows what it's like to be interested in sport and, you know, uh, physical activity and what that does for you, how it uh, invigorates you and lifts you up and gives you energy and, um, you know, just helps you, helps to relieve stress. 
for anyone who's going, who, who knows about those kind of things, you know, when you have injury, it really sets you back. It really hampers you. And I can honestly say over the past couple of years, I've, I've been able to string together maybe a couple of days, maybe a week at best, and then run into a sickness or run into an illness. And the same for my wife as well. And it's been a difficult period. And again, we haven't been taken out of it yet. Then to add to all of that, in the context of my work, and as you'll know, work is the biggest portion of your, of your life generally because it's the, time, the place that you spend the most time at. And you know, I'll be the first to say that God has led me in my career each and every step and he's led me to the, the role that I'm in at the moment. And there's a lot of grace there and there was a lot of fulfillment as I went into that role and enjoyment and development. But now, where I am now, I find that that grace is lifted and I'm in a space where I'm not getting any fulfillment out of my work because the kind of work that I'm doing is not really the stuff that I originally wanted to do. It's more like just heaps and heaps of admin and I've asked for help for, with some of this work because it's such a huge burden, but I've received nothing as yet. And add to that as well that in the context of my role, for me to be promoted or for me to take a step to another level, I've been told in no uncertain terms that within this department that I'm in, there are no opportunities. There is nothing for me. I have to step out of this department to take my next step. And that is again, very, very disheartening and very disappointing. And you know, like I say, because work is such a big portion, it really, really hampers you and weighs you down. And I've prayed to God to, to take me to the next step, but it hasn't changed yet. And then as well, adding to that as well is you know, when you're a single income household, like we're, my family is a single income household and for anyone who's a single income household and has kids will know, you have to stretch that income. It's not that simple. And when you're in the midst of injuries and doctor's trips for illnesses and all those kind of things and your bank balance is just deteriorating, <laughs> again, it can be really, really distressing. And believe you me, of all the people who trust God, if there was a queue of all the people that trusted God with finances, I would be right in the front of that queue because I do not doubt God when it comes to financial provision. But it doesn't take away from the fact that it's difficult to walk through seasons like that. And so another aspect that has been really difficult for us, and it's, it's, it still weighs on my heart really heavily, is that of death. Earlier this year, my wife was pregnant and you know, we actually lost the baby through a miscarriage. And people may not know this, but it was a very, very disappointing and distressing and heartbreaking time for us as a family. And it still hurts even now. And specifically because we had been waiting for a baby and praying and waiting for another baby for so long and then to have that taken away is absolutely heartbreaking. And it's just the season that we're in. And, you know, another thing is that my mother-in-law has been diagnosed with breast cancer and we're praying and waiting on the Lord to bring about healing in that process too and trusting him in this difficult time. And then even within the context of our home, we have the most wonderful home. Um, Pastor Paul will, will know about this. You know, when we moved into our home, we prayed that we would have a home where the spirit is welcome there and that there is peace in that home. And even now there is still peace inside that home. But just outside the borders of our home, we have neighbors that are unfortunately very hateful and abusive and that sort of toxicity um, contaminates the environment around our house 
and it makes it a, not a very pleasant environment to be in and not a very pleasant environment to raise a child in. And we've asked God to change that, but nothing has changed yet. And even a couple of weeks ago, I lost one of my friends. One of my friends committed suicide. Someone who I spoke to daily, um, they committed suicide from depression. Again, it weighed seriously on my heart. And all these things have just been hampering me in this season. And yet God has ministered things to me whilst in this season that I want to share with you. So when I say that this message is just as much for me as it is for all of you, you can take me at face value for that. Now, in this difficult season, I want to assure you that God has not abandoned us. If you look at the past couple of messages that Pastor Tracy has preached, as well as this message that I'm going to share with you, it's really clear that God has a word for us. The fact that he is affirming that same message over and over again, that encouragement, that word of hope in this season, it tells us that he, he wants to encourage us to trust him and to wait upon the Lord. So, this, so last week, Pastor Tracy shared on waiting on the Lord. And this week, I want to continue with another message in that same vein, where I share on my lessons in the season of waiting. Now, when times are tough, we tend to turn our countenance downwards. We tend to shift our focus inwards. We get caught up in our struggles so much so that we, we just don't have energy for anything else. We become weary, exhausted by the stresses of life. We become, or we lose hope, we become pessimists. We focus on just scraping through each day however we can, and life becomes a process of just pure survival. And if that's you today, I feel like this message will give you comfort, and it will also renew your vigor during this time. We may be weak and weary, but let me assure you, our God most certainly isn't, as you'll see in this passage. Have you not known... Have you not heard? Allow this to minister to you. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. That is so powerful. Sometimes all you need is scripture. I could just as easily leave you with that piece of scripture and have said more than any words of my own could ever add to that. But today, again, like Pastor Tracy said, I want to encourage us to wait upon the Lord. Now look, let's be frank. Life is difficult. There's no getting around this fact. Our Savior himself said, In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome this world. And I dare say for us as Christians it can be even more difficult. Not because we have no hope, but precisely because we have a hope. It may sound a little bit strange, but because we know God, we pour our hope and our trust into him, and we call out to him in our seasons of difficulty. And when he takes long or he tarries in, in his response to come and help us, we get even more torn by the fact that why is he not coming to our aid? And perhaps we think, you know, maybe I've done something to deter him from coming to my aid. Or maybe God is waiting on me to do something to get out of this season. Or perhaps we're just in that space of, you know, God has abandoned me altogether. It is a confusing, difficult 
time for anyone who finds themselves in that space. But still, I want to encourage us, hang tight, he is coming. So I've really been thinking about this lately, and I guess it's tied to, the, to having a proper revelation of who God is. And this is why it is so important for each and every one of us to, to know exactly who God is. Not a picture of God that someone else has painted, or you know something that we've formed in our head, formed this own view of God, but the actual real picture of God as revealed in His Scripture. Once we have that revelation of God, there's certain consequences that flow from, from knowing those things. So, for example, if I say that, you know, God is the mighty creator of heaven and earth, which he is, and he is sovereign, and he cannot contradict himself, and he doesn't go back on his word, knowing all those things, then when I say, you know, when a supreme being like that tells me something like, hey, wait on me and I will renew your strength, it means wait on him and he will renew, his, he will renew your strength. It's that simple. God is not two-faced. He doesn't say things and then take them back. Once he has said something, he knows that that must stand for all eternity. And that's the God that we serve. So I've also been thinking to myself, why would you ever doubt God? And I think for many of us, well, Christians at least, it comes from a place of having waited on the Lord for so long that you just feel like you've lost hope. You've lost hope that he will ever come through for you. But given what I've just shared on God being sovereign and God having impeccable integrity, I have to say to myself that I will still, even in the midst of this, I will still continue to trust Him because as long as I trust Him, He will fulfill His promise. My job is just to wait on Him. So instead of becoming or or being overcome by weariness and disappointment, I choose instead to believe that my God will come through for me that my God is a God of His Word, that He is faithful. Difficulty, pain, suffering, all of those things are okay because I know that my God will come through for me. I know that He will rescue me. It's not my opinion. It's right there in His Word. It's His promise. How's this message? God is not man that He should lie, or a son of man that He should change His mind. Has He said and will He not do it? Or has He spoken and will He not fulfill it? That's our God. Now, have you ever seen what an eagle looks like when it takes flight? It's honestly such a majestic sight. And if you've never had the privilege of seeing it, I urge you to go onto YouTube and watch a video of it. It takes off and it glides almost effortlessly. And, you know, we talk about how eagles have such a massive wingspan. And, you know, that's really an understatement. If you think of like a a two-meter-tall person, if you stretch out the wings of an eagle, it's even beyond that. And so they have these mighty, strong wings, and those wings allow them to take off and fly way up above the clouds, way up above any trouble. And interestingly, God uses a similar metaphor when he reminds the Israelites of how he rescued them from Egypt. He says, You yourselves saw what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you up on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, in our anchor passage, we see that If we wait on the Lord, He will renew our strength and we will mount up on wings like eagles. The point is that God is able to give us strength so that we can rise up above our troubles and rise up high above them, just like how the eagle rises high up into the sky where you you cannot get to it. That eagle is safe. It's far from you. And you know, it's almost an effortless action. So when God is involved, that that action is effortless. 
God wants to lend us his power in those times of trial so that we can stand strong. And that other section from the passage that I read, um, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Again, this speaks to the idea of we have reached the end of our human strength. When we have reached the end of what we are capable of, we have run and we have grown weary. We have walked and we feel like we're going to faint. We are at the end of our strength. And when we're at that limit, that's when God comes and lends us His divine strength to be able to continue on, to be able to push on in the time of trial. So, 2 Corinthians 4, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction, affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I absolutely love that. It speaks to me in this season that even though I have given up all of these gains that you would call and I've, I've lost so much of my strength and I've lost, and you know, on the outside it can look like a person is wasting away. Yet within there is this strength, there is this renewal that is happening within me. And it's almost like don't judge a book by its cover because you don't actually know what's happening within someone and what God is doing within us. And I just love that thing of our inner self is being renewed day by day. So with this knowledge, indeed this comfort in the midst of our trials, I can focus or I can rest assured that God is going to deliver on His promise. All that I need to do is I just need to wait. Now, if you cast your mind onto some of the more difficult times in your life, often when you look back on these times, you'll see that something was birthed from those periods of affliction. And hopefully in many cases, it's strength and perseverance that was born from those times. So while we wait on the Lord to come through and renew our weary bodies with His strength, what better way to spend the time than to focus on the sanctification and the character building process that happens during that time, that happens during these difficult periods. And you know, that's what this message is also about, that I want to share with you some of the things, some of the qualities that God has helped to start growing within me during this time and some of the lessons that he has taught me during this time and these points will coalesce very well with what Pastor Tracy shared last week and you know just on the topic of um, sanctification I also want to mention Pastor Solomon one time after church a few months ago I was speaking to him and you know I was explaining to him my work situation and how it is so frustrating to be in that space of I just want to go to the next step in my career. I just want to do something. You know, I, I need to, like, I don't know what to do. What must I do? Like, I'm begging God, what must I do? How do I change this? How do I break free from this, you know? And explaining my frustration to him. And, you know, he ministered to me in that time. And he said, you actually need to just wait. You need to focus on the day that you are in right now. Focus on what God is doing to you or doing through you right now. What is he trying to build within you? How is he trying to sanctify you today? Focus on the sanctification and allow God to do everything else. And that really ministered to me because it gave me peace in my heart. So the first point I want to share on is steadfastness. Count it all joy. This is James. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
Now, steadfastness is the quality of being resolutely and dutifully firm and unwavering. And in simple English, that just means being loyal, being rock solid, being immovable, being unshakable. And so I dare say that that is something that you can only get in the period of trial. Because think about it, how do you test that something is immovable? How do you test that something, someone is loyal? You can only test that in a period of trial. I can only test something is immovable by pushing against it, by throwing things against it. And so that's why it's so important during these times of trial to realize the things that are happening within us. Now, God is the perfect example of steadfastness. As we know, he does not disappoint. And here I see in this passage that I too can acquire this steadfastness. However, it requires going through a period of trial. It requires patience. It requires waiting on the Lord. And so why don't I focus on this during my period of difficulty? Why don't I focus on what God is doing within me, how he is sanctifying me? And what else is very striking about this passage is that it says that once the steadfastness is birthed within me and it grows to full maturity, I will be perfect, lacking nothing. In other words, I will be fully steadfast. I will be fully sanctified. I will be fully set apart for God. And what an incredible result of the trial that that can be. And specifically so in the context of our Savior coming back for us, which I'll explain. Now, this also harkens back to this idea, which we often see in Scripture, of gold being purified. And you guys will know that when you purify gold, you, you, well, when you mine gold, you get this big rock that, you know, it has all these minerals and different metals in it and impurities, but gold is within it. And one of the processes or steps in that purification process is to actually melt the gold so that it, is, it becomes liquid melted in a blazing hot furnace so that that melts and then you can remove all the impurities from the liquid and it's such a beautiful analogy for what we go through in our period of trial we can't expect that a period of trial is going to be pleasant when we go through it it's like walking into a fiery blazing hot furnace and we feel like our body is being melted away and everything is being melted away and all the things that we thought were so important are being melted away and the main thing starts becoming the main thing. And then when we emerge from that, God has removed all those impurities and we stand before him pure. And there's a passage here that I wanted to share from 1 Peter. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, again, the tested genuineness, what is tested gen well, what does it mean for it to be genuine? It means that it is solid, that it is loyal, that it is immovable, it is unshakable. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes back for us, we want him to find us being fully sanctified, being fully solid and loyal to him, our faith to be fully perfected. We don't want him to come and find us still struggling with these things. Now, the second point is on endurance and patience. And I'll just touch on this briefly because Pastor Tracy ministered very powerfully on this last week. One of the most powerful attributes or strengths that we can develop during a time of trial is that of endurance. Endurance is quite simply the ability to just keep going, the ability to persevere, the ability to keep on keeping on, even when it feels like you're being dragged down from all the different sides. And now all the runners and athletes within our midst will understand and appreciate this. When you work on endurance, 
you're working on your ability to push through the pain, your ability to keep going even when it feels like your lungs are about to burst. It's like you reach the end of yourself and all of a sudden you just, you have another gear that you can tap into that allows you to keep going on. And that's why this is so tied to that aspect of God lending us his supernatural strength because he, he allows us to just keep going on even when we've reached the end of our human limits. And the passage here is from Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now the third point and this is something that we can really focus on in our time of difficulty, is that of comfort. Now listen to this and let this minister to you, because I feel like this is a really important point for us as a church. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Now it may seem quite contradictory to be focusing on another person during your time of trial, but I dare say it's probably one of the most powerful times that you can minister comfort to another person. And why? Because you are able to empathize precisely with what that person is going through, given that you're going through it too. And I feel like this is something, and it's so, it's so, I thank God that we've been preaching on the aspect of community because this is something, this is one of the reasons why the church exists, why there's a family of believers, why we come together to minister comfort to one another. You know, people who say, I'm a Christian, but they don't, they don't want to associate with church. They don't want to be involved in a church. I don't, I don't even see how that works because the whole idea behind a church is that we come together and I receive comfort during my time of trial and I can share it with you via this message. You receive comfort during your period of trial. You can share it with me. And that's how we uplift one another. That's how we comfort one another. The church is strengthened when we share with one another, when we uplift each other, when we, we involve ourselves in each other's lives. God doesn't minister to us purely for ourselves. He ministers to us so that we can minister to others. And it is such a key point. And one of the things that God really placed on my heart as well is that we must never minimize the struggles of other people. You may feel like your struggles are all the way up here and you know someone else whose struggles are all the way down here. And you know, you might say, well, in, in comparison to me, that's nothing. But you must never look at it like that because people are on different, uh, different parts of their journey. You know, we all have different measures of endurance and strength that has been imparted to us. And we're all at a different stage in our journey. Don't look down on other people's struggles. Help them no matter what they are going through. Then the fourth point is that of tenacity. So with all of this, we find strength to just keep carrying on. We find the courage to keep trusting in the Lord, to wait on Him to do His bit. And in, in the meantime, for me to focus on just persisting and just pushing forward. And here I've got some beautiful passages from Philippians. Brothers, I do not consider that I made it my own, 
but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And you know what, really, the, the picture I get here is of, you know, these strong men where they're pulling an 18-wheeler 18 truck behind them <laughs> and they're wearing this harness and they're just straining forward towards a, a line in front of them. That's their goal. They need to pull that truck all the way to the, to the line. And it's the same kind of thing with us when we're in these difficult times. We've got this massive weight of all these troubles and all these struggles behind us. And they're pulling us back, but yet something within us just wants to strain forward. We just want to push forward. We, want, we see what lies ahead of us. We see this goal that lies ahead of us. And we just want to lay hold of it and not let go. That's what tenacity is. Grabbing onto something and just not letting go. And this other passage um, from Romans 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Again, we're going through these difficulties and we're pushing forward. We see what, what goal or that, what lies before us is so amazing that when we look back at our trials and stuff, you know, they are insignificant in comparison. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us for gro with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Again, when we're walking through these difficult times, we're not walking alone. The Holy Spirit walks with us. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You know, we often quote that, but now you see that that is birthed from a period of trial. When we look back on the difficulties, when we emerge from the trial and we look back on those things, we say, I don't know whether God brought about those trials or not, but all I know is that when they happened, he turned them for good. They may have felt difficult, they may have been painful, they may have been heartbreaking, but he turned them around for good. And I'm convinced that one of the most potent attributes that a Christian can have is just unyielding trust in God. The ability to say, you know, it doesn't matter what I go through, I will continue to believe in God that He will fulfill Him, He will, fulfill, he will remain faithful throughout all. Like, think about it. This is something that's so uh, interesting as well, is that God never changes. It's only our perception of him that changes. And our perception is shaped by the seasons that we're in, the difficulties that we might go through. And that's, that's not right. We, should, we need to break free of that. God doesn't change because of the different situations or seasons that we are in. You know, we don't say God is a good God when he's a blessing me and God is not a good God when times are difficult. God is who he is and we must respect that. Right, and then the fifth point is on peace and contentment. Now, I just told you what one of the most potent attributes that a Christian can have is, but one, on the other hand, one of the most beautiful ones is that of peace. And you know, there's nothing quite as soothing as being able to find peace in the midst of trial. The peace that I'm talking about is the kind where the world is literally falling apart around you, and yet you are as calm and as peaceful and as tranquil as a lamb in the pasture. And you know, that kind of, that kind of uh, peace only comes from God. We can't receive that from the world. People can search for it anywhere, but we can only receive it from God. And he promises it to us, as we'll see in this passage, Philippians 4. 
The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What a beautiful passage. Again, talking about the peace that we enter into, but also the contentment, the contentment that I am okay. I'm fine. God has given me enough to make it through this season. And you know, we often talk about Psalm 23, and we talk about how this is such a peaceful passage, and you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in one. But the part from verse 4 Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love that piece because it speaks to that time of trial, that we've just got this this darkness in front of us, this blackness in front of us that we need to step into. I don't know whether I'm going to be alive tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow. I don't know what lies in that darkness, but I have to step into it. And I have to step into it fearlessly because I know that God walks with me. And, you know, it talks about your rod and your staff, how they comfort. When we're walking into that, you know, a a shepherd's rod is actually used to prod the sheep. So to keep them going in a a specific um, direction, you know, you you use the rod to actually prod them and keep them going in that direction. And also that rod is used to beat away any predators that try to take, um, try to attack the sheep. And that is a beautiful picture of God. Whilst we are walking, he is busy leading us in this darkness. He is busy using his rod to lead us in the darkness. And at the same time, he's using that rod to beat down things that we don't even know what he's beating down. He is preventing the devil from taking us out. And then the staff as well. You know, when a shepherd, uh, when a sheep walks away, the the shepherd can use the sheep, uh, the staff, to pick up the sheep and bring it back when it walks astray. Bring it back when it walks astray. And it's the same kind of thing. God is there with us in that season. So we need to be peaceful and content, knowing that we are safe. We are safe. We've got a shepherd walking this journey with us. And then the last one, I called it, even if he doesn't. And this one really stirs me and it really speaks to me. And, you know, if you think back to the story of um, the the story in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were... Uh, Daniel's friends, and they were also officials within um, King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. And at one point, King Nebuchadnezzar made this gold um, image, and he asked, or he he commanded that, you know, when we play these trumpets and these horns and stuff, everyone must come and worship this image. And these guys said, you know what, sorry, we're not going to do it. And their response So if you didn't do it, you would have to be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace and burnt alive effectively. And their response is just so incredible. Daniel 3 verse 17. If this be so, our God, they're talking to King Nebuchadnezzar. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, but if not, but if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That is so powerful. That is where you're in a space where your faith is just, you know what, God, you've 
you've made all these promises to deliver me. You've made these promises to, you know, I, wait, I must wait on you and you will renew my strength. You've made all these wonderful promises, but you know what? Even if you don't come through on those things, still I will worship you. Still I will praise you because it's not about what you give me. It's about who you are. So ultimately, no matter what difficulties we go through in this life, nothing could ever compare to the victory that has already been won, the victory that lies before us. Nothing can separate us. Think about this. Not even death itself can separate us from the victory that has been earned for us through Christ. We stand as victors alongside Christ. We are already victors alongside Christ. And you know, in comparison to the destination towards which we are moving, any trials and difficulties and sufferings are just like a mere passing wind. Habakkuk 3, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no fruit, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the Lord of my salvation. What a powerful scripture. Yes, we are going through difficult times, my friends. Yes, things may get worse before they get better. But when we turn our countenance upwards and we focus on waiting on our God, things begin to change. One day, a day towards which we are moving closer with each passing moment, we will be in a place where there is no trouble, there is no crying, there is no mourning, there is no death, there is no pain. We will be standing in that place alongside our Savior, a place I personally cannot wait to be. He will, Revelation 21 verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And you know, I just want to leave you with two images that God has, has impressed upon me in this time as well. One of these is, you know, when you, when you get born again as a Christian, there's a fire that is ignited within you, a little flame that is lit. And for the rest of your time on this earth, the devil will do everything within his power to try to put that flame out, to try to extinguish or snuff out that flame. And he will come against you and come against you and come against you just with the aim of putting out that flame. And you might reach a point where the flame is, is literally just an ember, literally just a tiny little spark. And as long as you keep holding on to God, as long as you keep holding on to Christ, you will not you cannot, that flame just cannot go out as long as you hold on and as long as you trust in God. And one day when he comes through, and he will come through, he will breathe his breath upon that flame and all of a sudden it will just take flame and it will become a bonfire within you. And all of a sudden there's this renewed vigor within you, this renewed strength as that flame takes hold of you. And you know, this actually happened to me while I was sick and while I was distressed and disappointed and negative and you know all these terrible things and I was just praying to God and thinking and even in my weak state something within me it was just like God spoke and, he, and the flame just lit up and all of a sudden I felt this strength I felt this supernatural ability you know the strength coming through me and I was just revitalized and re-energized and it just goes to show, you know, when you're in that space of being on fire for God, you must use it to the fullest, of your, fullest extent that you can. Preach to others, minister to others, share that with others. Because you don't know when you're going to be in that difficult season again. And the other image that I want to speak to you about is, 
you know, the, the story of there's that lady with the image of blood, uh, with the issue of blood who reaches out and grabs the hem of Jesus' garment to get healed. And the picture that I get is just, we can be in a space where everything around us is just, you know, just disaster and death and pain and difficulty and suffering and it's just this blackness around us. But right in front of us we see either Jesus' hand or his, the hem of his cloak. And you know, we just want, I just want to reach out and lay hold of that. I just want to see his hand and grab hold of it or see his hem, the hem of his cloak and just hold on to it and hold on to it for dear life because I know that as long as I hold on to this, I am safe, I am free. As long as I hold on to God, He is my ticket. He is my redeemer. He is my salvation, you know. I will be fine. It doesn't matter about all this stuff as long as I hold on to Him. And with all the strength, and I encourage you that in this time of difficulty, with all the strength that you have, lay hold of Christ and do not let go of Him. No matter what comes against you, hold on to Him for dear life. And the last passage I just want to share is Romans 8, one of my most favorite passages in the whole Bible. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May you be blessed as you wait on the Lord, and may he hasten as you call on him to assist you in this time. Lord God, I thank you for this wonderful message that you've ministered to me. I pray that it ministers to others too in this difficult time. I thank you that you're giving us a message of hope as we struggle through these times, Lord God. And I know that when we come out of it, when each and every one of us comes out of it, Lord God, we will lift up your name and we will glorify you, Lord God, and speak testimonies of your goodness and speak testimonies of your faithfulness and how you had lifted us up, Lord God. May your name be praised and we worship you today. Amen.